Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Well, we've reached the point in the season where things are starting to heat up. Come on inside the College Football Film Room and join me, Scott Seidenberg, alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Chris, the calendar is almost at November when the games you remember are being played. But right now in October, there's some fantastic matchups and teams are starting to show us more and more as we progress through the weeks. Yeah, you know, as as we get into and can't believe it, as you mentioned, and we're middle of October. So we've certainly had some good games, uh, more to come. And as I always say, when you talk about big games, when you play well and you win a game, then every game becomes bigger. So sometimes the games we identify as big games that we anticipate, they're maybe not as big when it gets to that week, but then other games kind of supplant it with where, you know, this is going to be big and it's going to be telling and it's going to be, um challenging to get through this if you don't get through it you might be in trouble well let's talk about some of the things chris that we saw uh in watching the film on these games from saturday and no better place to start than with the performance by number three georgia losing to south carolina in double overtime and after watching that game, Chris, I just came away with the sense that something wasn't right with Jake Fromm. He just didn't look like himself in, in that game. Too many questionable throws, questionable decisions. I did not like what I saw from the Georgia quarterback. Well, the biggest problem that they're having, there were two of those picks that were his fault and his doing. The other two were mistakes by receivers. The biggest thing that's just jumping out on tape is the play of the receivers or the ability, the lack of the ability to win, as we call it, the ability to get open, beat coverage. And this is a timing rhythm offense. And when the timing's a little bit off, receiver runs uh, in when he's supposed to go out, it's a pick. It's not a, you know, it's not like a Clemson with Trevor Lawrence where they're, you know, he throws off of different platforms. He basically throws to a big receiver and 50-50 balls. It's, this is more orchestrated timing rhythm and the timing's not there. Fromm's not playing that well because the receivers are not getting open for him. It is a problem they've got to figure out or else this is not going to be the only loss this year. They've got some games at Florida and Auburn that potentially could even prevent them from representing the East. And it's just something that, that you can't change your system, but you've got to do a better job of executing, executing within your system. You've got to scheme guys open a little bit because good teams are going to be able to say, all right, look, we're going to load the box, stop the run, put extra numbers in the box, and we're going we're gonna to force the ball outside the numbers. And if those receivers can't win and you don't have great timing with a back shoulder throw, which he's so great at throwing, then all of a sudden they look like a team that's, okay, pretty good, but nothing special. And that's what we saw. And you had the four turnovers. That was the difference in the game. Um, you know, they're averaging 250 yards rushing. South Carolina holds them to like 173. Uh, they do a good job in coverage, uh, and, and all of a sudden you got a game and a, a losing game at that for Georgia. So, look, it is it is not a panic time, but it wasn't like it was just completely fluky four turnovers that came out of nowhere. This is something that they've got to fix, or else again it won't be the only loss. Is it fixable? 
to a degree it can be. They're not going to change what they do. They're a line of scrimmage team. They've got to control the football, but they're going to have to work the screen game. They're going to have to get the ball out quickly. Their receivers are going to have to step up, and if they don't, then they're probably going to fall short and maybe even fall short of winning the East. So we'll see how this plays out. Uh, We talked about the receiver problems at Georgia going into the year. It's becoming an even bigger problem, and that's the biggest issue that I see. Um, I thought the offensive line gave him time to make plays, and I thought for the most part he made some good throws, but it wasn't one of his better games. And it, and it, 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 it's a, it's a byproduct of a few things, but a lot of it's on him too. And I think a lot of it's forcing at the end there, he's changing a play with three seconds that led to the procedure penalty that goes from a 55 yard to a 65 yard field goal, which they obviously decided not to, to go for. I mean, you're trying to pick up a few yards so that at the very least, you got a decision at 55, but maybe you can pick up five yards and you're changing the play with three seconds. Call the darn play that's in the huddle. That's just mm-hmm. not something a veteran quarterback, that's a mental error that he can't be making in that situation. And in the double overtime, just you, know, you would have liked to get a couple more yards before giving Blankenship a shot at that tying field goal. I mean, you know, you, you figure five more yards, he makes that kick as opposed to where uh, where he hooked it to the left. But you know what? Their season's still ahead of them. You know, a lot of people want to write off a team after a loss. This is a team that can still put together a successful second half of the season, represent the East, go to the SEC title game, win the SEC title game, and then we'll see what happens because the winner of the SEC is going to go to the college football playoff. So their season is still ahead of them. It's not over because they lost here to South Carolina, and I think that's important to mention, Chris. Yeah. Although I think that it's it's a long shot right now. Well, of course easily. it's a long shot, to, but but the the formula is there, is what I want to say. Right, but yeah. you know it's it's you know the way they're playing right now, they're a long way from having a shot at beating Alabama or LSU. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here's where I think it's pivotal. See, I thought the formula for them was they would go unbeaten, and then if they lost the SEC championship game in a close game, let's say, then they could be that fourth team. But much like last year, where people said uh, the loss to Alabama in the conference championship game cost them a bit in the playoffs, no, it was the loss against LSU. And this is a bigger loss, a tougher loss, because South Carolina is not as good as LSU was last year, and this game was in Athens. So I think it's certainly possible they can win out, but I think it's unlikely because, as I said, some of the issues can be corrected, but I think it maybe can be corrected to the tune of maybe beating Auburn, maybe beating Florida, but I just don't know that they're going to be able to do the same thing against LSU or Alabama because those teams are going to score some points. And unless Georgia is able to match some points, I mean, they're not going to hold LSU or Alabama to 21, 24 points. So Georgia's going to have to be much more productive offensively to find a way to slow down the tempo of the game, but still be able to score 34, 38 points of their own. Possible, yes, but but I think it's a long shot at this point. I really do. But your point is you win the SEC, you you're you're gonna get a bit, even with one loss. But um I think this this is to me, it's more telling more than eliminating, if that makes sense. 
Yes, no, that makes perfect sense. Well, let's talk about Florida and uh, LSU and the Tigers' performance, especially in that second half, just pulling away from Florida, winning 42-28 to and really cementing themselves as a top-three team in the country if they haven't already in people's eyes. Well, I thought LSU played very well offensively. Um, I know Florida was out. Uh, they're uh, two outstanding healthy ends. They, they were not available, not healthy. And so that really hurt Florida. But LSU did a really good job offensively. Um, uh, you know, they, Florida could not cover. Florida's good corners could not cover LSU's receivers at all. And it was the best offensive line performance by LSU this year. Uh, Burrow was phenomenal. I mean, he had three touchdowns, three incompletions. I mean, he, I mean, the ball <laughs> barely touched the ground. He was just unbelievable. And, you know, I thought Florida had a good game plan. They possessed the football on offense, match points, but in a slowed down time consuming drives, that was the formula to try to pull out the win. I, I thought LSU made really good adjustments at halftime. Did Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator, Basically, from seven minutes on in the third quarter, they shut out Florida. Uh, and, and they were not having success. They were not getting good pressure in Trask's face early. And they really had trouble defending Pitts in particular down the middle. They made some coverage adjustments, but more importantly, some pressure adjustments that kind of broke the rhythm of Trask and the offense. So, I, listen, I thought it was a good performance by Florida. They did a good job. I just think LSU's better at home. Um it was pretty much how I expected to be for Florida. I'm just kind of piggyback off of it. I Listen, I am more intrigued now by Florida, Georgia, off of what I've seen of both teams, Florida mm-hmm. the past couple of weeks, and then seeing what Georgia can do. Georgia's more talented, but Georgia's going to have to do a better job. I, I think that they'd match up better with Florida than they would against an Alabama or an LSU. But that game suddenly not only becomes increasingly important, but real telling at this point with uh, with, with the likely that game deciding the East, although Missouri will maybe have uh, maybe throw a little monkey wrench into this and in that they are playing well and certainly could have an effect to help out either Georgia or Florida in the chase. And speaking of LSU, Joe Burrow right now has got to be the Heisman front runner. I don't think anybody's playing better than him right now at the quarterback position or at any position in in the nation. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. I'm, I don't know what the voters would think. Uh, two is playing great, but I, I'm with you. I would not. Um, here's the thing. It, it really doesn't matter right now. And those mm-hmm. two are going to play on November 9th. That's going to decide it. I mean, Could it, be one versus they, two. If they continue. Well, yeah, we'll see what Ohio State can do and, and whether they're going to be in that mix if they beat Wisconsin. Uh, they could be one or two. And, and kind of, but yeah, it's going to be. Look, I can remember um, that maybe 68-69, you had USC-UCLA 1-2, and two, and you had OJ and Gary Beban. It was basically the Pac-12 title was on the line. The, the Heisman the Trophy was the on the line. Bowl, the Heisman <laughs> Trophy. We've seen it. This is going to set the, the roof off of, you know, if LSU is able to take care of Mississippi State and Auburn, um, Alabama's got Tennessee and Arkansas, and then both of them have a bye week plan to play one another. So can you imagine a two-week lead-in, a Super Bowl-type hype lead-in for Alabama, LSU, these, these two great offenses? Now, I think the the performance by the quarterback, you know that, that in whoever plays best in that game is going to win and the other is going to be eliminated. It's just mm-hmm. kind of how it works. 
And so kind of what you've done to this point only gets you in the picture, but whether you come out standing on top will, will depend upon that game. And, and I listen, I think there's going to be a lot on the line, likely the SEC West and uh, certainly the lead at that point. I don't think it'll wrap up the Heisman, but it's certainly going to be, hey, that's the guy you got to beat, Tua or Burrow. It's going to be one of those guys. And then barring a collapse down the stretch, I I, I think that'll be um, – be real interesting um, to see. No, that game, that game is in. Can you believe? Well, I know you can believe it because it happened, but I'm hearing some things and I'm very curious to see what might happen. And I think it's going to take a while. You know, CBS yes. declined Alabama, yes. LSU, which they normally have to go with Notre Dame, Georgia. And uh, I'm very curious to see. I know there are going to be conversations. After the Auburn game, if LSU wins it, you can remember several years ago before the 2011 game, or was it 10? 2011, that one. The, don't be surprised if there's a little bit of negotiations to try to get because uh, uh, CBS has that game, mm-hmm. but right now it's 2:30. ESPN has the primetime window. So it's not like you'd be trading the game. But don't be surprised if CBS makes a run and there's a backroom deal to try to allow contractually for CBS to have another nighttime game, put that in prime time, and mm-hmm. obviously ESPN would need to get something. Let's. Uh, I, I heard a few rumblings. I re- it's, it's nothing more than that. But you know there's going to be exploration to see that because that game's going to be great at the 3:30 Eastern, 2:30 Central window. It's great anytime. But that if there's ever been a game that's made for primetime, and again, it would would not be trading a game to ESPN. It would be CBS mm-hmm. getting it at night. It'd be interesting to see how that might play out. Well, what happened was, I guess, and this was determined before the season, even, but when CBS scheduled yes. their double headers, and before the season, yes. they had chosen to make one of their double headers the night that they would have Georgia and Notre right. Dame. And and I, I kind of get it. Notre Dame's the national draw. And you don't – I guess you didn't really know that LSU was going to potentially be right. Alabama's beaten them eight years in a row. Yeah. And so they just miscalculated. You're right. And, again, they have in their contract that they've got one night game. That goes back to putting one of the – uh, Florida, Tennessee games at nighttime and then doing it a, a few. So CBS has that in their contract where they can move it, but there's limitations to just the one. And you're right. They decided, but well, Notre Dame, Georgia, that looks like the best game. And it's always better to go with the November game because the November game means more. But what if you had one of those teams like LSU slips a little bit and then the game doesn't mean as much. Then you got – an Alabama playing a two-loss LSU team, let's say, and Alabama's won eight in a row. Well, maybe that's not as appealing. But, you know, this is why the flexibility might be interesting if they mm-hmm. can work it. You know they'd be willing to pay pay a lot oh, to try to yeah. get that because they'd win the money back, no question, and having it in prime time. But, uh, well, no, a little up, bit interesting. I don't, I'm not, don't go out there saying Landry says <laughs> it's going to be at night. I don't know that. I just know that you better believe there'll be discussions. And, and well, again, people, people might say, well, why would ESPN do it? Well, listen, look, I mean, you know, ESPN's not going to get the game. CBS has the game. 
Yeah, so, so, you know, it's just a matter of when yeah. you play it. If you, you want to sit there and you know that, you know, whatever ends up being the games that you cover and, you know, you, all right, you might have the premier game that night, not LSU Alabama. Which there are a couple of options right now. Yeah, on that schedule. So, right. So, I mean, that depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, do, do you know off the hand what, what it would be? I'm trying to think offhand what it would be. Penn State, they, Minnesota. Well, Penn State, Minnesota, unbeaten Penn State, Minnesota, both of them unbeaten. Uh, yep. Do they say, no, 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 we we, we got to have that in our primetime game. We're not trading it or it's going to cost you an awful lot. Now, would would they – here's the other thing. If you move it to 2.30, 3 o'clock Central, you know, what does it go up against? It still might draw well and set the stage for the yeah. big game. You know, you know, and and would you be willing to do it if you're SPM? Well, I, they well, might. Here, 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 here's they got, your schedule. They got you Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Here's just, so the the matchups that are intriguing for that, and that's going to be week eleven, right? right? So that's week eleven of the season. So the other intriguing matchups I mentioned: you have Penn State, Minnesota, potential for both of them to be undefeated. You have Iowa against Wisconsin. If Iowa rebounds, and then you can have you know Iowa with maybe a five and two, uh, six and two, seven and two record, whatever it is at that point against wisconsin you have georgia against missouri that could be two one loss teams see what that matchup is going to be like um other than that there really isn't anything intriguing on the schedule you're looking at the top 25 teams baylor tcu doesn't do anything usc against arizona state that's going to be probably a late night mm -hmm. game anyway because it's in our you know it's out west um there really isn't anything anything going on the key is, is uh, what what does ESPN might want? They they well, might ESPN also to... has they they and they have they air a lot of Big Ten games. They got that you know the, oh, the schedule no, they, there. They, so no, they they can just move the nighttime crew game and move it to the two thirty slot or three o'clock slot. Yes, you know because yeah. they got the you know they've got because they have an ABC game at you know up against the CBS game. So at that point. You know, might they want to say, "Look, we'll we'll take, and and we'll be the lead-in. We'll be the two thirty game, and we'll do it." And and you know, hey, let's just say Penn State, Minnesota, unbeaten's that's a good game. Uh, you know, we we think we can do well. Maybe not as good as we can do at night, but what are you willing to give us? Um, you know that, that there may be, you know, they again they won't lose any of their games, and they won't be able to acquire the game from CBS, but. The time slot might be negotiable. It just depends on what CBS is willing to get. Mm-hmm. And and, the, and, op, and and what that would be is options down the road, which I think would be intriguing. Because if you think about it, CBS's decisions, they decided last week, I mean, they decided a couple of, to go with A&M Alabama, and they left Florida LSU, which yes. should have been CBS's 230 game. So and, 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 and ESPN got it and they got the big game. So there again, um, you know, I, it, that's the, the TV executives can figure that out. But you know, it'll be interesting to see. Keep that in mind out there, folks, as something that will be behind the scenes talked about. I don't know if it's going to ever come to the surface, but don't be shocked if it happens. It's happened before. And I think this game, if LSU wins out prior to it, this will be bigger than any of the other LSU Alabama games oh, yeah. uh, than that they've ever had. And, and, and certainly with the potential and ability, we know LSU won in Tuscaloosa in 2011, 
but this 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 would see I think perhaps surpass it because of the quarterbacks and the offenses that are in play. So it's got all the makings of a great championship battle, but with all the icing and the the, the excitement and the flash and the dash of the offenses and the quarterbacks that are lighting it up. Let's talk about another player who's uh, certainly a Heisman front runner, and that's Jalen Hurts. Uh, Oklahoma beats Texas in the Red River rivalry, 34-27. CeeDee Lamb just goes insane. Ten catches, 171 yards, and three touchdowns. And one of those touchdowns, he had no business scoring on that play. There were <laughs> six Texas defenders around him ready to tackle him, and uh, he just blew by them. Uh, he's definitely, in, in my opinion, going to be the top receiver taken in the draft, but that's a conversation for a different day. Oklahoma improves to 6-0, Chris, and after beating Texas, I'm finding it very difficult to see a spot on their schedule where they're going to have a hiccup, maybe in Waco in a couple of weeks from now, but this looks like a team that's going to go into the Big 12 championship game undefeated, looking to wrap up a trip to the college football playoff. Yeah, the conference is looking more ACC-like with no one that is really capable of challenging Oklahoma. I think Texas is closer to the rest of the group of teams than they are to Oklahoma at number one. Uh, Texas is just such a poor tackling team, and C.D. Lamb can make you miss in a phone booth, and that was a bad combination. Um, I didn't think Jalen Hurts played very well at all, um, but they're a little bit different now. They're able to run the football a little more, particularly with Jalen with design runs, and the defense is playing better. Are they elite to win in the playoffs? Well, we'll see. I do think that they're going to get that chance because I'm with you. I don't see anybody beating them in the Big 12. Um, now, they, they can't afford a hiccup because 11-1 is not going to do it, in my opinion, but unbeaten – you know, people will ask, so I'll answer it now. If it comes down to, let's just say Clemson wins out, and let's just say Ohio State wins out, and folks, we know none of this ever plays out this way. <laughs> you know, let's just say they do, and then uh, now we're dealing with a one-loss team. And now we know it's not going to be, and you know, I'm talking about an SEC team. So let's just say Ohio State, Clemson, Oh, I'll give you. I'll give you this. I'll give you the scenario. I know where you're going with it. Well, the point point is, people are going to look at the one-loss SEC team. Well, uh, it's not going to be the East team now because you're you've got a loss, and everybody's Mm -hmm. got a Mm -hmm. loss there. Mm -hmm. So it's the loser of LSU, Alabama. They're not going to make the conference championship game. They will not get in. The second team will not get in over an unbeaten Oklahoma Big Twelve champion, or you know, so. The only scenario would be one loss versus one loss. So if Oklahoma were to, you know, lose a game and win the Big 12, I do think the loser of LSU Alabama would have a a reasonable shot. Um, But as I mentioned, what would have been really intriguing is if you had an unbeaten Georgia, an unbeaten Alabama, which would not happen now. And let's just say it was a three-point game again. And in the conference championship and you look at it and you think these are clearly, if not the two best teams, certainly one of the two, three best teams in the country. And you got a, an unbeaten Clemson, an unbeaten Ohio state, an unbeaten Oklahoma. And they'd be holy hell to say, you know, from the Southeast quarter of the country saying, wait a minute, we got two teams. They're two of the best teams. But I think that loss to Georgia hurts the sec in a lot of ways, because I do think that there's only one team. That's the conference championship team from the SEC that's going. 
And the only way, and, and I say the only way, because Scott, you know it can happen, mm-hmm. is if if one loss teams are in play. Well, a one loss LSU or Alabama is going to be in play with a one loss, you know, uh, Oklahoma. But you know, uh, and and and, a, and certainly a one loss Clemson. But Oklahoma, there's something, and we know a lot of this stuff plays out. Clemson has the pedigree of defending champs. Not mm-hmm. shouldn't have nothing to do with anything, but it will. Oklahoma, you know, I don't know. They'll be a they'd be a conference champion, perhaps, or maybe they lose the conference championship game. We'll see. Um, but but that would be real interesting. But that's the only scenario if one loss teams come into play, which most years it does. Let's talk about the Big Ten here. Penn State with a victory uh, at Iowa, which is was a difficult game. Prime time. You knew they were going to come out strong. They're now 6-0 and oh, and setting up a matchup this week that might be for someone's job if he doesn't win it uh, with Michigan, <laughs> number 16 now in the nation. How good is this Penn State team? We've talked about them in weeks past and the way that they're playing defensively, the way that Clifford is playing at quarterback. Can this team give Ohio State a run for their money in the Big Ten East? They're very good defensively. They're going to have to score more points. And I do appreciate and respect that going to Kinnick at night is tough. And they got it done. But I'm, they're going to need to, they're going to need more offense to beat Ohio State. And I've said that I think that Penn State's got a shot, but only if their offense improves. Right now, they're not quite there. I think they're good enough. And I suspect that they'll beat Michigan. We'll see. Um, but, I, but I think that's the real key. This defense is legit. They're very good. The linebackers are the best in the league. They've got two good edge rushers in particular that really can come off and cause a lot of havoc. They're, they're, they're no joke on the front. They're really, really good. So, yeah, I think that they're, they definitely are the second-best team in the East. I think they'll prove that this week, although Michigan, you know, will have something to say about that. Is Wisconsin the next best team in the Big Ten? I think Wisconsin is so good. I've been thinking about them, and I've, you know, cut off the film last night when I was done, and I'm thinking, man, this team is so good that it's not one guy or two guys defensively. They leverage the run well. They rush the passer well. Uh, base pressure. They play well in coverage. They tackle well. They run well. The, the only thing would be, and I'm curious to see how they deal with this, is how they're going to deal with Ohio State speed. We're going to – we don't have long to figure that out. we got another mm-hmm. week or so, but uh, another week, you know, and a half to, to, to go with that. But, you know, they're really good. I do think speed will get them, but, you know, I was thinking about this. You, you put that team against a team that likes to spread them out. Well, they couldn't handle those the, the speed of some teams, but, you know, some defenses could not handle Wisconsin's power. You talk about a clash of uh, opposites would be real interesting. So, no, they're really good. They're no joke. Uh, they're going to have to – people say, well, when are they going to get rid of it? They beat Ohio State. They're going to be in there. They, they'll be in that mix, and uh, all they have – I mean, I say all they have to do. If they take care of business, and certainly if they were to beat Ohio State twice, no doubt they're in. I just don't see that happening. I think that's going to be their kryptonite. For me, I know they're a team that is built around Jonathan Taylor, and defensively they're as stout as anybody in the country. But can Jack Cohn make enough plays 
to win you a football game. That's my concern well, with Wisconsin. Yeah, probably against great teams. Probably not. That's what I'm saying. Against Ohio, against someone like Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, probably not because because I think that those teams are going to be able to score some points into where they're they're not going to be able to work everything off play action. So I, I think it's going to be tough. Um, can they do it? Well, yeah, but I think we've just discussed how they have to do it. They're going to have to make it more of a phone booth game, and they're going to have to limit the possessions. They're going to have to win the turnover battle, and all those things are possible. All those things are possible. But can they light it up, throw it around the yard, score a bunch of points that way? That That's not their game, and that's likely going to be their downfall. All right, let's talk about the Big Ten matchup this week with Michigan and Penn State. Uh, I think this is – all the pressure in the world, Chris, on Michigan. Uh, they're a heavy underdog going into Beaver Stadium. If they lose this game, I just don't know how much longer Michigan boosters are going to be happy with Jim Harbaugh there. Well, I don't, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I know there's, it's a lot of sentiment outside. That is not the sentiment among the the, the key decision makers, key boosters. Um, I Listen, I mean, I, you know, people may think that it should be and whatever. I, they, they really, um, uh, they, there's no appetite to make that move. And I think they understand that they need to correct things, but who's going to be better for them? Who's going to be a better fit? Um, I don't get the sense that, you know, I, there'll be huge disappointment and frustration if they lose. And if they, you know, likely they're going to lose to Ohio State. There'll be frustration, but – I don't think there's going to be enough to to buy him out. Now, will there be options for Jim? I don't really see it in the NFL, and I certainly not in college. Um, if Jim gets frustrated, maybe he feels like you know, I, you know, I don't see him walking away. Is what I'm saying. But but I think that would be the case. I don't get the sense at this point. But to your point, they lose this game, lose to Ohio State. Maybe there's another. Then and there's maybe some other things that take place that begin to unravel, that could be something that we need to watch. But right now, I don't get the sentiment. The story in the state, coaching-wise, is Mark I think, D'Antonio. I think, I think Mark D'Antonio is going to be gone at yep. the end of the year. I think he's going to step aside. I mean, he's not going to be fired. But, you know, they're struggling. He became the leading all-time winner in Michigan State history a few weeks ago. He's going to have to testify in that awful, you know, issue mm-hmm. which you know that's going to be in january um the offense is abysmal he made changes on the staff within the staff not replacing anybody and at this stage i don't see him firing assistants and being loyal to his guys so i think you know i think that you know i think that is likely going to end with him stepping away at the end of this year and in, in fact i I almost sense it like I had a little bit of a tip off at the time, but I mm-hmm. sent it almost like Lloyd Carr in his last year at Michigan. In fact, if you remember, that was the the, the Appalachian State year, and yes. I remember people. I remember doing radio nationally at Fox. And we were, oh, they're going to fire him after this year, and I'm just chuckling because he had already told the president this was going to be his last year. Now he didn't say anything, but it was ironic maybe unfortunate for him that he lost in his last year, but that was kind of in play. I don't know that there's anything that's been communicated. That's not Antonio style, but I don't sense he's going to be back. Cause I think 
there's just a lot of negativity. And I think there's a lot of, you know, hey, stubbornness. You're not going to make changes. And I just don't think he's going to acquiesce to that. So we're going to have to watch that. I'm not giving any inside information. It's just experience of understanding where I think uh, this might end up at the end of the year. Let's talk about some of the other big matchups this weekend, Chris, and two important matchups in the Pac-12, Washington Mm -hmm. hosting Oregon, and then you have Utah welcoming in Arizona State. Let's start with that Oregon-Washington matchup. Uh, Oregon's looked good ever since that, you know, their loss in in the opener. Washington has rebounded from their slip-ups, but this, to me, looks like a game that Oregon wins and separates themselves from the rest of that Pac-12 North. Well, they certainly are playing well. They're playing well defensively. Andy Avalos has done a really good job. They're physical. They are a better line of scrimmage team than, than right now anybody else in the league on a consistent basis. Utah's playing better in that regard, but Oregon's really good. Now, this is a tough game. It's in Seattle. Washington's dropped a couple of games but they match up very well and play them very well. This is one – you've heard me – we've done radio and, and podcasts for a while. You've heard me say this a bunch. This is a rivalry game that not many people even are aware is a thing, as the kids say. It's it's a thing. It is – it's really – a big time rival. And, 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 and it, it's not, I mean, I think you'll see some of it on TV. They'll show, I don't think people get it. It's, it's, it's the Northwest version of Auburn, Georgia. I mean, it's, it's a bigger <clears throat> game than Oregon, Oregon state or Washington, Washington state. Now, if you have one of those years where Washington, Washington state, they're both, you know, they're playing the, the, the North is on the line that these are not just maybe the two best teams in the North, um, th- th- this is just a long-standing, you know, tough physical, and it's always great settings. See, you know, um, like Washington and Seattle with all the bolts in Austin when they play there. So this ought to be a lot of fun. I do like the way Oregon's playing better in this game, but this is the type of game that Washington will step up and play well. It'd be interesting. Yeah, and you can't say enough about that Oregon defense and the way oh, they're playing. Yeah. You mentioned playing it there. Really well. They really are playing phenomenally. All right, what are the other matchup in the Pac-12, that Utah game, Utah hosting Arizona State? Uh, I got to admit, I did not see Arizona State playing this well. I got to give a lot of credit to Herm Edwards and that coaching staff. Um, I was down on them with the with the win over Michigan State just because I thought that it was kind of a, a fluky win. But you know what? They have looked pretty good in some of their games the win over Cal was impressive the win over Washington State kind of holding on there was uh and scoring late uh this team I think can surprise people well Jaden Daniels is really he's a special type of talent that's turning games around you mentioned they found a way to win a couple of games catching people at the right time Cal for example I kind of get the feeling that Utah's kind of ready to make a move and, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's Oregon, Utah, but, you know, Utah is, I think, playing well. I think Utah at home takes care of business and I wouldn't be surprised if they win going away here. I just yeah. like the matchup, but you've got to contain the quarterback and he is done a good job. It's a little bit of a rebuild, a little rebuild on the offensive line. Kevin Mawai on Herm's staff done a really good job. And no, they, they, They've done really well. Actually, you know, both the Arizona schools. I mean, Kevin Sumlin, I, I know they lost last week to Washington, but that's a team that's improved when people left them for dead. But 
I think this, I may be surprised, but I think Utah makes a big statement wins here and potentially wins big. Yeah, 13 and a half point favorites Utah is. So uh, Vegas thinks that they're going to win big mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, here's an interesting game. Uh, Baylor in the Big 12, underdog on the road at Oklahoma State. The fighting Matt rules just continue to do it week <laughs> in and week out, Chris. Uh, I love what they're, what this program has been able to do. Uh, tough win last week against Texas Tech. And can they get it done on the road in Stillwater? Well, they can. They got to play better than they did last week. Charlie Brewer had three picks. That was not like him. This Matt's done a great job. And and listen, I'm I'll phrase it this way. Um, I think Texas is the second best team. I think they're better than Baylor, but I think it's a little closer than people might think. You know, in a game day setting, you don't know, but I think Baylor is the more consistent team here, but it's a dangerous spot. Oklahoma State is Jekyll Hyde. They can put together a one-game performance that could light it up. If we're talking about Oklahoma State winning this game by 17 next week, I'm not surprised. I mean, they're capable of putting that type of performance together offensively. I think an early lead in winning the turnover margin is critical. They do that, they can beat Baylor, and and likely in that scenario will be Baylor in Stillwater. But Baylor is kind of the team that I just think is more consistent, and, you know, I trust them a little bit more. So I think it's a great matchup in that regard because it's a little bit in contrast in styles. Well, the best game, Chris, in my opinion, that is not in the Power Five conferences is Temple against SMU. Uh, I Mm. was surprised, probably more surprised than Rod Carey, to find out that Temple was not ranked in the top 25 this week. I think they're going to take that disrespect or take it as disrespect, go into Dallas and upset SMU, who has looked great at times, but has also looked very sloppy, especially in that Tulsa game in which there was a play. I don't know if you remember this. There was a play in that Tulsa game, Chris. After Tulsa scored a touchdown, they kicked the ball off to SMU. And the kid yes, ran away yes. from it like it was a punt. Yeah, and, no. and Tulsa recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. Anyway, <laughs> th- so that's my that's my rant on SMU. <laughs> they've looked good, they've looked bad, but this Temple team has been consistent every single week. I love the fact that they're rotating Centennial in at quarterback. It gives them a different dynamic from Anthony Russo, and the defense is phenomenal. I I, th- I think this Temple team deserves a little more respect. Yeah, listen, I think they're really good as well. Um, you know, it's it's ironic because I know when uh, Jeff Collins, the, now Georgia Tech, came from Temple. And, of course, we've had a lineage there, some really good coaches. And we just talked about Matt Rule. But, you know, Jeff Collins takes a Georgia Tech team there. And it was no doubt that the team he had left at Temple was quite a bit better than Georgia Tech. And it played out on the field. And I'm with you. They're a really good line of scrimmage team. And SMU, this, again, what I like about these type of games, it's contrast and style. So yes. SMU gets an early lead, then it takes Temple out of their rhythm a little bit. But, um, no, I think Temple's got a really good chance here. That's that's going to be a really game. Give you another game that's a little sneaky, not as good, but, but Tulane, very underrated team, going to Memphis. Uh, look out for that one as well. But, no, I agree with you. Temple SMU is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm curious to see um, – Curious to see how this one plays out. That'll be – I wish it was slated a little in a little bit of a different slot. I guess it doesn't really matter, but it's kind of in that 230 central window mm-hmm. uh, against uh, Oregon, Washington, um, but in Baylor, Oklahoma State, among others. Yeah, you would think it would be a noon kickoff. 
right? But um, I guess now, I guess you know. Tell you what, it might it, it it may be the game of the early window if it was noon kickoff because the yeah. best thing they got going right now is not very good. I mean, you know, maybe a a, a, a an Iowa State Texas Tech to Florida South Carolina. No, I'm with you. That, that yeah, was Fox noon... is doing. I think Fox is doing Oklahoma and West Virginia as correct. their big noon kickoff game. That's so correct. Well, that's what you got. You know, you got you got to put the big boy on. But <laughs> when you don't have anybody else in the Big Twelve that's very good uh outside oklahoma texas everything else is just going to be blah because it's not like in the past where west virginia could line up and you know and it would be a shootout game remember last year was like last team had the ball last mm-hmm. you know will greer's not walking through that door no 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 <laughs> and, and, and apparently not 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 austin kendall is i neither is austin kendall with his interest and dana holgerson's gone as well so <laughs> there's a lot of and his hair over there <laughs> and he's rotating quarterbacks left and right over right now, he, he, including he, his son. His he, son's been playing well I know, too. I know. Well, you know, it, it, you know, it's amazing how well they're playing since they're they're they're. I've never I've seen players redshirt. I've never seen a team redshirt. Yeah. They, they're they're completely but, redshirting the year. And uh, that's. But you know what, Chris? Watch out for them next year. Watch well, I don't know. Them. I don't know. I don't know that De'Ara King's coming back. I think some of them might. I don't. I think that's really interesting. I'm certain that they feel they're all coming back. I'm just going to say, let's see. Let's see if they all come back. I, I'm i with you. Going to be real interesting. They got a plan, but I something smells a little fishy there. You know, I think there are a lot of people in these kids' ears, and I think it sounds good. Then I think, you know, there'll be some other options and do they want to stay? Do they want to go? I don't know. Just, just yeah. throwing that out there. I guess just wait. I guess the Eric King is just waiting for Lincoln rally to pick up the phone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, you got a lot going on at LandryFootball.com because this is an important time of the season. As we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, teams are starting to show up on film more like what they're supposed to be or what they what they are you're getting a truer sense of who these teams are and as you evaluate them every week and and do the write-ups on landryfootball.com i guess we're kind of finding out who everybody is yeah i i think we are and the thing about college football is you know it's not every week is quote-unquote the big game but as you find out if you're georgia if you don't think south carolina is a big game then you know you look out look what can happen so it's about just watching and studying these teams and seeing who they're doing it and who they're doing it against is important but you know ohio state looks really good alabama's looking really good on offense by the way best offensive line performance for that unit uh all year this past week and defensively getting better um lsu we've talked about clemson had a better week Oklahoma looks pretty good. Wisconsin looks pretty good. And we'll see what Penn State can do. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, so that's kind of how it's looking. And look, over at LandryFootball.com, we're breaking down all of them. We're breaking down each game. We're breaking down my conference. We review them inside the film room. So as the games are over in the weekend, we, we not only tell you what happened, but why it happened, take you inside the film room. All our podcasts, it's one-stop shopping football. And certainly for the in-depth film room analysis, uh, it's less than a magazine subscription. So take advantage of it today. We've got a 50% discount for football season. So um, great opportunity. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com and learn more about the game and the college game, the pro game, uh, better than you ever had. Look, recruiting, the draft, all the NFL stuff, not just college football. So check it out. Great weekend of action, Scott. And can't wait to break it down on the website and here. 
Absolutely. And be sure to subscribe to the College Football Film Room Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Give us a little rating and review as well because every little bit helps out. Follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's On Air. He's Chris Landry. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This has been the College Football Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Talk to you next week, Chris. Hey, look forward to it, Scott. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.